This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing? Very good, mate. How are you? Very good, thanks. Just looking at the numbers, Asian stock markets have certainly followed Wall Street higher today after Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said that monetary policy would return to normal and interest rates might be raised earlier than planned. So we saw a big reaction from that in the United States and the Asian markets have followed today. Yeah, the rebound really started late on Monday. I don't know if we'd just seen the sell-off kind of overdone and we were starting to see a bit of a, a corrective move on that or if maybe we were just continuing to see this strange kind of trading that we can often see at the start of the year. Quite often when you see this negativity uh, in the first month of the year or at least at the start of the first month of the year, it doesn't really last uh, an enormous amount of time. And I don't know if we were starting to see the dip buyers kind of jump back in early ahead of earnings season later on this week. But... I think the Jerome Powell testimony just continued to pull people back on board. He didn't really say anything overly significant, I wouldn't say. Um, I still think the first rate hike is priced in for March, and, and I think that's probably uh, likely going to be where what we're going to see. Maybe he did just slightly temper back expectations in terms of that fourth rate hike this year, with the market still pricing in heavily three, but less so now. Uh, that fourth rate hike um, by the end of by the end of 2022, and I think it was the talk on uh, balance sheet reduction ultimately that probably did sway it. This idea that the conversation will start um, uh, when they start raising rates, so that we're talking what the earliest of March, and then it could take two to four meetings before an agreement is reached on the pace um, of balance sheet reduction and also um, uh, and also when it begins. So two to four meetings, that means we're looking at what, June, sep- June, September, if we do get that first rate hike in March. Now, given that the previous kind of comments had been, well, we'll get it's alluded to the fact that we'll get the first rate hike in March and the balance sheet reduction will begin soon after. It, it, we're talking negligible differences here, but meaningful as far as the markets are concerned, especially when the Fed is talking about inflation peaking in the middle of this year. Now, we've heard them talk about inflation peaking before, being transitory, the famous line, and be wrong. But if they are right on this occasion, then come the end of the year, the balance sheet will have started to decline, interest rates will have raised a few times, and maybe the fears around inflation will have abated quite considerably, the pressure will become off the central bank. That's probably the ideal scenario that we're looking at right now. But the comments that we had from the central bank show that they are moving in the right direction in terms of um, in terms of reducing the kind of monetary stimulus that's been flooded into the markets. But at the same time, they're not going to do so at such an aggressive pace that it's going to stifle the economy. And again, that's something that Jerome Powell alluded to um, in his testimony about ultimately there is no sustainable um, strong economy if we don't have price stability and there's no um, there is no maximum employment without price stability and I think that's a really important point that he needed to make because it's something that can often be uh, forgotten uh, I often feel but I think the focus now is going to be on that balance sheet we've got to remember that this is a balance sheet that prior to the global financial crisis was maybe just shy of a trillion dollars um, under normal market operations then that grew over the course of the next uh, six years or so to around four and a half trillion dollars. 
Um, then once they after they raised interest rates and a couple of years later when they started reducing the balance sheet fell to around 3.8 trillion dollars so around 15 percent uh, but still well above um, pre-global financial crisis levels and since then has ballooned to around 8.8 .8 trillion dollars so almost double where it was in the peak of the post financial global financial crisis era when they started to reduce it when they were talking about this really bloated fed balance sheet well it's almost doubled since those levels so that's why the fed say now we do need to trim the balance sheet. Not only do we need to do that, we need to do that sooner than we did after the financial crisis, and we need to do so at a more accelerated pace because otherwise we're not even going to put a dent in it. Interesting. And other elements of his speech, he seemed to be a bit more upbeat about uh, the effect of Omicron on the global and the US economy. And certainly the suggestion is that it is plateauing, certainly in this country here in the UK, not so much in Europe at the moment, but in the US, they still have a very high transmission rate. But he was upbeat about that compared with uh, previous speeches he's done over the last few weeks. Yeah, I think um, he seems to be of the view that the impact should be short lived. And I think that's probably a widely held view for many countries at this point, particularly um, particularly when you're talking about the UK, even Europe, let's say, I think as well is good that that's going to be the view because ultimately it's spreading so rapidly and there are many countries where we are seeing higher rates of booster take-up, um, which seems to be having a positive impact here in the UK. Um, and I think the, the the rate of transmission means that ultimately it is going to be um, short to live. And the fact that the um, the fact that the symptoms are less severe than what we've seen previously as well does seem to be a uh, a positive in terms of that because of the impact that it's going to have therefore on things like restrictions and in terms of um, kind of any uh, any tight restrictions in terms of lockdowns or anything like that it seems like that's going to be avoided so from from an economic standpoint that should mean that the the, the toll it takes on the economy is is uh, is less pronounced and more short-lived like i said the data that we're seeing currently seems to support that view and that's going to come as a, as a massive relief the dollar hit a six-week low after that speech from jay powell craig i mean he sounded less hawkish than expected didn't he um and economic data showed more room for policy easing in china why do you think the dollar hit such a low so i think we're kind of hitting peak fear at this point at least for now things may change and things do change quite often obviously but i do feel like we kind of hit peak fear peak tightening views maybe uh, for now i mean when when we talking about the markets prior to this uh, yesterday pricing in up to uh, four interest rate hikes this year and balance sheet reduction after an accelerated tapering process that's quite an aggressive tightening compared to what we've seen for quite a few uh, years um so the combination of those things being priced into the markets it feels like unless we are going to see an extremely uh aggressive tightening cycle which would be economically harmful it feels like there's only really one way the markets can go they can either stay where they are obviously or the, the only other direction they can go is to see those expectations paired back um which could would be which could be both supportive in terms of sentiment in the markets but also therefore maybe take some heat out to the us dollar and this is coming at a time as well remember when the us isn't the only central bank eyeing rate hikes and tightening the bank of england announced its first rate hike back in december and will continue to rate, raise rates over the course of this year as inflation issues itself and other central banks are doing the same thing people are pricing in 
earlier tightening from the European Central Bank at this point. So that all reflects on the US dollar as well, because if other currencies are are, are appreciating, then that comes at the expense of something where so much is so already uh, priced in as far as the dollar is concerned. Really, the dollar's just kind of stabilised over the course of the last couple of months. It has been kind of range-bound in a relatively tightish range over the course of the last couple of months, more broadly speaking. And maybe we are now just seeing some of that heat come out if we are going to see expectations ever so slightly paired back. The big story of today is going to be the latest US inflation data, which is expected to come in uh, pretty red hot, is it not? It is. Uh, expectations currently around 7% on an annualised basis, maybe a little bit higher. So this is going to be a really in- interesting watch today because when we're talking about the fact we've seen like a week of fear this month already around inflation and interest rates and what it means in terms of normalisation of monetary policy and the balance sheet, etc. Now we've seen... Uh, those kind of tensions start to soften and ease ahead of the um, Powell testimony yesterday. He seemed to say the right things, which again, slightly pulled investors back on board. The inflation data now becomes key. If we see an inflation reading of, I don't know, 6.7, 6.8%, then I think that will give investors, bizarrely, a little bit of extra comfort. That's still extremely high. Uh, inflation, but obviously it's all relative to expectations. If we see inflation at 7.2, maybe that's enough to spook investors again and we suddenly see that, that U-turn once more and we start to see fear uh, dominating and creeping back in, uh, in into, into the mindset and we start to see equities coming under a little bit of pressure again. Maybe we start to see the dollar performing quite well again. So I think that's going to be the headline reading today. That inflation data may really dictate sentiment going into the end of the week, at which point earnings season will uh, will potentially take over uh, the focus and, and could uh, really drive sentiment in these markets going into the end of the month. Just shows, doesn't it, how times have changed when you're talking about a rate of 6.7% as a, you know, possibly a good thing rather than the more negative. Um, If you'd said that three or four years ago, people would have run for the hills. And laughed in your face, I imagine, as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's all about the trajectory, really. And what we've seen for so many months now is we've seen the central banks referring to inflation as transitory as it's continued to climb to these quite remarkable levels. So now that we're seeing a central bank talking about uh, wanting to get to grips with it and stop it becoming an issue and stop it becoming uh, a stability problem. And if we do now start to see the inflation data start to move in a more positive trajectory, being downwards, then I think that's something that will be welcomed by the markets because it will start to suggest and indicate that the assessment of some of these central banks that it's that a lot of the spike is transitory um, still that it's going to correct itself effectively. Once we start to see that unfold, then we can start to believe these assertions from PAL, for example, that we will see it peak in the middle of this year and it will start to come down. We want to see those indications that that is the case. Um, it's probably still too soon to actually see that. But what we don't want to see is that expectations are still too conservative even at these levels. And finally, you mentioned earnings season, Craig. What should we expect for the rest of the week? So it really kicks off on Friday. So we've got things like JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, which will get things underway for the season. So the first few days of the uh, earnings season is always focused on financials. So you're talking about, like, say, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, etc. So that will be the focus at the start of earnings season. And like I say, things kick off on Friday if we get a few good earnings reports. And maybe that gets investors excited once more. But there is still plenty of downside risks. So at the same time, 
a good earning season could get investors back on board and give them uh, and bring those kind of dip buyers back in. If we get a if we get a rocky start from some of these big financial names, then who knows? Maybe things start to turn a bit more sour again. Okay, Craig. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda podcast.